family how's everybody doing today this was an absolutely beautiful day in kentucky today we actually had um a lot of sunshine today not nearly as many chemtrails ruining my beautiful sunshine 
Um, yeah, absolutely lovely day. I, these are the days right here where you walk outside and the first thing that you say is, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for every day, but especially these days. I hope you all had an absolutely phenomenal week, guys. It was great here. I'm going to go through a little bit of news tonight. This is Kilt to Christian, episode 536. So we've called this one Woman at the Well. It's going to be a great conversation. Matter of fact, I got a couple of family members, brothers here with me to talk about this evening. And I will tell you who that is in just a moment. Once again, Kilt to Christian, 536, Woman at the Well. I said earlier, I said Woman in the Well. And everybody here thought I was talking about the ring. No, this is Woman at the Well. Let's get to it. We are many nations around the world, rise to many cultures, but we stand together in a battle between good and evil. We are the seekers of wisdom, the bringers of truth, the hands of heaven, and the voices of reason. As the world tries to divide us by our differences, we only grow stronger as we are bound together as the children of God. Right, and for those of you that I did not get a chance to say hello to in the opening, God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. We're going to go ahead and say hello uh, to our guest tonight first. I'm going to say next hello to the guy sitting next to me, Nathan Moonwolf. I pulled him out of his little uh, hole that he, that he hangs out in the back with the puppy and uh, got him back here with us. Nathan, how are you doing, brother? I'm doing well. I got up just in time for this evening. I'm glad I did. I got to see Jeff here. Oh, look at that. Oh, I, I, spoiler. Uh... Spoiler. <laughs> So I guess I'm going to go ahead and bring in the next guest we got here tonight. Would you like to introduce our guest here, Nathan? No, you do the honors. I already slipped up. That's mad. That's messed up. <laughs> we, we've got Jeff here tonight, guys. Um, I, I pulled him out of his sick bed, and uh, we'll, we'll see. Um, he was excited about this conversation tonight. He's always excited. He's wanting to get back into this battle, and uh, he's here with us for, for the moment. So I'm, I'm exactly um, – I'm, I'm hoping that we get to the whole show, but I'm thankful that I've got him here for the moment. Jeff, brother, how are you doing? Shalom. Shalom. Shalom I'm doing okay, I guess. I mean, it's still the same old, same old battle, but you know, it's uh, last week has been, I thought I was getting better and then bam, last week's been kind of rough again and I ain't been able to do much. I actually feel like I'm going to hurl everywhere, but uh, I'm well, here. Fortunately, God, I'm here. you've got a mute button so you can do what I do when I cough <laughs> mute. No one can see. <laughs> very true. Very true. You know, and I'm, and Moon Wolf, I apologize. You had to see my ugly mug, but uh, it's good meeting you, brother. Good I seeing told you, you. dude. Oh, so he happy. says ugly mug, man, but he's like an angel. Man. He's, <laughs> he's, he's he's a handsome guy. He man. looks very ha handsome and fantastic. And I am um, trying to not get distracted between the chat and talking. I'm like, that's why I slipped up. I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> now you're, you are, you're looking good, Jeff. I know you've been under the weather, um, but you're looking great. Like, you, you know, you've, you've lost a little bit of weight, you know, obviously you haven't been eating what you have, um, you know what I'm saying? But I mean, yep. you're, you're looking great, man. You're sounding great. Thankful to have you here. And then, appreciate it. and then tomorrow night, um, hopefully you're, you're still feeling good. Cause we're going to be having a show tomorrow night at eight o'clock, um, Eastern time. Um, we have a, a filmmaker, a group coming on pastors, filmmakers, phenomenal guest um just don't, don't, do not miss tomorrow's episode guys yeah do you don't not. yeah you don't want to miss tomorrow night's episode um he's going to be with this uh like i said ph phenomenal filmmaker um i hope that i'll get the honor of doing a little bit of work with him here in the future nonetheless uh, it's an honor to have him on the show and it's going to be a phenomenal discussion because the work that they do is uh very similar to the way that pain's angels ended up you know so yep. it started politically and then got into the more scriptural stuff and that's what they do um phenomenal they do great work. That's actually how I came across this guy was because a few years ago, you know, back when I first met you, I was watching a lot of the 
Payne's Angel stuff before we actually became brothers and got to know each other. And uh, then he just pops up in my feed one day on YouTube. And uh, I started watching some of his stuff and it's, it's great content. And it reminded me so much of the work that you do, brother. Um, and, and I know you two are probably just going to hit it off phenomenal. I hope you do. I'm sure uh, we will. Because you're both into, you know, you love to make videos. You love to talk about bi biblical stuff, uh, mysterious events and, you know, and things like that, uh, whether it be the topics of aliens, UFOs, whatever. But we've all got to where now we're trying to look at this through the lens of, of God's eyes, through God's word, what's going on in the world. And, and I honestly don't think any of us have all the answers. Um, I know I don't, but. I think it's going to be a great show, and I hope everyone shows up. And if you want to get a first glimpse of who this individual is, go to Kilted Christian or Brothers in a Bible on Telegram. I've dropped a couple of videos in there, and you'll know who we're talking about. And you can uh, actually watch a little bit of his content. And I think you're going to be impressed because he does, uh, just like our brother Duncan here, he does, a, he does a really good job of bringing stuff to the table. Thank you. Yeah, we're, I'm working on a couple more the scripts. You know, once I get a little bit more time, like I said, as I have been focusing on getting all the stuff done for all the the Christmas Kilty Christian giveaway. So I got my first part of the order out. The rest of them are going to be going out this uh, coming week. So I'll have all that out, and then I can start um, getting back into really focusing because I'm also working on a couple of uh, new songs as well, which I'm going to be collaborating again with the same girl that sings at the beginning of every show and at the end of every show, which is Blue Eyes. Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. I remember her very well. Um, she does good art, artist work, but, uh, though all those who are in chat, I'm not watching my phone. I'm trying to limit my eyes to being overstressed with all the lights and stuff. Um, just know guys, I'm, I'm not out of this battle by no means. I will get back. Praise God. As the Lord liveth, I will get back. It's just going to take some time. Keep your prayers going for me. I appreciate all your prayers. I love each and every one of you. Um, and hello tonight. And like I said, I'm not in the chat, but uh, I am praying for everybody each and every day. Praying for the whole team, believe me. Oh, and there's my beautiful sister Insidious. Great to see you. I, I, I love I love your <laughs> wife, man. I'm sorry. You know, you know I love your wife. She's awesome. You got I got I got a great family. When I met Jeff, I ended up with a whole great family. So it was pretty <laughs> awesome. Here. Same here. So you know, but that's how it's meant to be. Oh, that's exactly how God works. And I'm about to give you guys a crazy story. And I know I'm going to have to put Nathan through this again. He already listened to the brief, the, the rough cut of this story. Um, but this is a really good, you know, this is what we're trying to do. Our job right now is to strengthen our relationship with Christ, get it built in every day, but also to help other people find what we have. Um, so I've told you guys before. I used to work for the Dallas Stars and the San Antonio Spurs, and I, I made a mistake, and I loaded one of my Pains Angels video to my portfolio. I ended up getting the boot because of my religious and my uh, political viewpoint. I lost every friend that I had at that time, and I was, like, mortified for a while. So fast forward all the way to today. I had a phone, a phone call from a buddy of mine that I used to work with on, on the, the Dallas Stars, and he goes, I, I know it's been a while since we talked. And he goes, but I just got to tell you how, how this went down. So it was, I guess, a little bit um, under a month ago. Um, one of my other old friends, who's no longer a friend, one of the people that turned their back on me, thought it would be funny to make fun of me because he came across a, a show called Kilted Christian. And he came across some videos called Pain's Angels. And he was a hardcore liberal, atheist, and thought it would be funny to 
you know, stir the pot a little bit more and get people to be a little bit more pissed off at me all over again. <laughs> so he sent, he sent this, uh, my links over to one of their, um, internal chats and my buddy got a hold of it, and, you know, cause like I said, they put this out for the reason of making fun of me. Okay. So my buddy saw it and apparently like he's found God over the last year. Um, and instead of doing what they had planned to do and, and him getting this and making fun of me and, and reaching out to me to pick on me a little bit, he ended up reaching out to me going, I want to let you know, I apologize. I found God over the last year and uh, I came across your show and he told me how it came across and he goes, you've actually helped me get further down this path that I've been trying to get on. He goes, so here Hallelujah. they, yeah. So here they are trying to, to make me look like a fool to the people that turned their back and ultimately ended up helping people out. So, yeah, yep. yeah. So he was like, so, and it gets even crazy. And so now here he is like giving me like some like crazy spiritual advice. You know, he's like, okay, once again, you know, I'm a new Christian, so I don't know how much this means to me, but I'm going to tell you about a conversation that I had with a pastor. All right. And, uh, he goes, listening to your show last night, you made the comment about how hard it is not to get wrapped up in this and get irritable and wake up some days having to apologize to God for the thoughts of wanting to go out and wipe out the Bill Gates and the sources of this world, you know, to be a good Christian. We, we battle with that. He goes, I'm going to tell you what my preacher told me. And he goes, and apologies, I'm going to use a hockey analogy here. Of course, he's a big, huge hockey player. So he says, um, he goes, our job is to mend the net. That is our job. Our job as Christians is to mend the net. Our job is to stand in front of that net and make sure nothing gets past you. Jesus's job is to handle the puck and to score the goals. He goes, so who on your team is the leader? He goes, you want to hand the captain that puck so that the captain can knock the pucks into the goal nonstop. He goes, this is what you guys are doing when you get anxious. He goes, you're walking in front of God. He goes, you're not supposed to walk in front of God. You're supposed to walk with God or behind God, but you're not supposed to walk in front of him. He goes, when you're walking in front of him, you're trying to look for the answers. You're trying to figure out how to deal with the problems you're never going to, which is why you're dealing with the anxiety that you're going through. He goes, if you step back and you walk with God or you step back and walk behind God, you've got no anxiety because God's got the answer to every problem that you're about to face. The problem is you're walking in front of the problem. Yeah, and that's a good analogy. I agree with that. I, mean, I, I used to be like that. I used to get very anxious over that. I don't, I'm not near as anxious over that anymore. I'd be a liar if I didn't say that I didn't have human emotions that God created me with. But at the same, we fight those emotions. But at the same time, he's exactly right. You know, we we're supposed we're not supposed to bend God to our will. We are supposed to bend to, to His God's will. will. Exactly, and that's the thing is that, you know. And as he said, you know, it's, it's not it's that it, it's not that, you know, doing what you're doing is making you any less of a Christian. He goes, but right. you're trying to get out in front of God He goes, you can't ever get out in front of God. He goes, how did that work out for you before you knew God? He's like, you've got to walk with God. He goes, because hey, the, I just think it's great. He did a 360 brother. I, I mean, praise God that he's found, you know, I hope he's found salvation and you know, he's changed his life around and things and he's witnessing the people. That's what it's all about. Well, who knows? Maybe with what's going on, he might be that shining light that leads the rest of the team. See, exactly. True. Like you never know. He could be the one that ends up doing what I couldn't. Well, the Lord used one little boy, one little man to defeat a whole army. So, <laughs> you know, Oh yeah. David in the Philistines, you know, exactly. So God, God can do whatever he wants and he can pick whoever he wants. No, a hundred percent, you know, and it's just, 
it's amazing too because like i said not only did god send me that little you know like we talk about it all the time about planting seeds like you know what i'm saying i didn't hand anybody that seed the seed was out there in a link and then somebody else passed the seed that i planted and ended up growing so it just shows you you know you, you never you never ever know and you know what i'm saying that's why we just be calm, surrender to God, you know what I'm saying? Put everything right. into God's hands. Like we know we can't find the answers. God's got all the answers. And like I said, you know, when you're walking in front of the problem, you're never going to find the solution to it. But if sure. you're walking behind it, you have a better viewpoint. You know what I'm saying? Especially when walking with God, because God has the answer. God already knows how to fix the problem before the problem even occurs, you know? So, but that's the problem is that sometimes, um, we become overzealous Christians. You know what I'm saying? Like impatient, we want to impatient, impatient Christians. It's not like we are doing the wrong thing. We just want everyone to experience what we're experiencing yeah. right now. Yeah. And it can't come quicker. And true. But sometimes you just got to sit back and let things be. And that's the thing is that it's a hard thing. You know, our, we try to move faster than God. God's always got his own pace, but he knows the perfect pace. God's not moving too fast. He's not moving too slow. He's moving right at the pace that needs to be walked. Our God, problem is walking too fast or too slow. Yeah, just like you're going to touch on with your what you're doing the show on tonight, you know, three days. I mean, he could have, Jesus could have went here, could have went there, but he was right on time as always. Always Lord, on always time. Always right on time. That's one of my favorite parts of the story. Like I said, the whole story when we get into that topic is awesome. Um, but I do love that aspect of the story, which we'll get into. Um, going a little bit of news real quick, and then we'll get into that topic. So first off, and this is, Interesting news. I'm still digging into this a little bit more to see what I can find. But Lieutenant Colonel Michael Aquino, the oh one boy. that, yeah, the one that looks like an owl that's, that basically used to be part of the uh, satanic church that ended up going up and setting up his own church called Set. The Temple of Set. The, the Temple he also, of He was also involved in getting MK going. He was part of the MK control. See, so, that's, that's one of the, one of the, one of the things that always put me off a little bit about Flynn, and like I said, I'm going to say this first, is I, I'm on the fence. Like, I've, I'm lean neither way because I've got no answers. But the, his connection with Aquino is a, a red flag. Hmm. Anybody who's connected to Aquino is a huge red flag to me. Um, in case you guys don't know who he is, like I said, he was part of the MK Ultra program. He started it. He created the Temple of Set. Because he didn't like the way that the satanic church was going. So he literally stepped away from that church and created his own satanic church. Um, yeah, and Kit Kat talks about the seven points of light speech. And that one kind of was another one. Like I said, I as much, and, and trust me, I loved Flynn. I loved Flynn. Yeah, I want to make sure that I put that out there just to let you guys know that I don't dig my heels into anything. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't care how much I care or love for somebody. If they end up doing something that's questionably moral, lack of integrity, anything like that, it's, you know, same thing with Trump. Same thing with Trump. I like the guy, but the moment that I find out he's an antichrist, um, he's lost my support. Um, <laughs> but uh, but nonetheless, um, this guy, Kino's evil, and apparently U.S. retired and founder of the Temple of Set has died by suicide. Wow. Yeah. Really? He's, he died by suicide. That was the part that caught me. Wasn't the really? fact that is, that, he, is that confirmed or is that I, just speculation? I, I've been looking, and this right here came from uh, NBC. Huh. The the thing that I'm reading from right now, yeah, came from NBC. So um, I've been looking at other places, and I'm seeing people talk about it, but I I can't say that I this definite. The only thing that 
like I said, is it was NBC. So at least they're talking about it. And NBC, CBS, NBC, MSNBC, CNN. Well, I, they, yeah. You, you already know where my mind's going. I, you know, this dude lived that long in the military, you know, created all that stuff. He was involved with all this other stuff. You know, he had to have known a lot. You see where I'm going with that? Yeah. Did he really? Uh, they didn't have to find a red rope or anything during. Did <laughs> no, they, they, I, I was actually some things I was looking for to see if there was a red rope because we were being like, yes, Clintons. Um, but I haven't, so I'm still <laughs> digging into this further. Um, but the thing is, though, is that um, the only thing that even you know, I wouldn't have even been talking about this if it wasn't for NBC. But we know as much as those organizations lie. Um, Terry Lynn, red rope. Um, and red belts and stuff like that is synonymous with the Clintons. So basically if someone's hanging from a red rope, hanging from a red belt or something like that around their neck, it was a sign that the Clintons were the ones that were involved. They all had their like little call signs. Yeah. And you know, there's no definitive proof on that. Again, that's, that's opinionated to some degree, but there was a lot of musicians, you know, but Chester was one of them. Chester was uh, one of them. Um, uh, Chris Cornell, the comedian. Was he? remember his name yeah the the comedian I, I, I know his name just went um yeah there was a the other day weren't we this yeah and we. and uh the guy that used to do kung fu theater yeah yeah so there was yeah they, it's always like i said the red rope you know they, they always find that at the scene so it's kind of like a calling card um yeah anthony bourdain he was one of them too because anthony bourdain along with some of the red robin williams thank you jilly jilly's always here for me <laughs> robin williams um, yeah, they found a red belt around his neck. So they always have this 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 tie. And Anthony Bourdain um, was about to come out and expose some stuff when he ended up being suicided. Um, you know, so it's the same thing. Anytime I hear the word suicide, my, my feelers go up automatically. And I'm like, well, the Clintons involved. Wait, Matt Hef said Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan, is he still? I thought he was still alive. I don't know, man, because today I was running through a bunch of quote desks that, that – Looks like they didn't happen. One of them did, though. Um, Apollo Creed. Really? Yeah, the guy that played Apollo Creed died today. I mean, he was 76 years old, though. Yeah. Well, you know, that's the thing. Birds of a feather, you end up in the wrong scenarios and around the wrong people. Next thing you know, it costs you your life kind of thing. And, you know, do I have any definitive proof? No, but I've seen a lot of stuff that makes me go, hmm, Um I wasn't there per se, you know, that's kind of what I base it off of, but it, it's more than a coincidence when you stop and think about all the stuff that's been put out over the years. Um, I don't know. I, I'd say this, like my grandpa used to say, if you, you run with dogs, you will get fleas. Yeah. So that's don't run with dogs. That's pretty much what's going on. Birds of a feather. Um, so yeah. Carl, Carl Weathers, thank you, David S and Matt and have, yeah, Carl Weathers, um, Apollo Creed. He was the one that passed away today. And it was, I mean, every day you see, like, oh, yeah, Rod Stewart was the one that they were saying died, and I couldn't find anything on that. So, like, every day there's people playing games trying to tell you who's alive and who's dead. So it's a matter of research and, and digging. The uh, Like I said, the Michael Aquino, I found enough stuff to where it could be legit. But, you know, that's nothing they're going to be talking about on, on the news. You know, I remember a couple years ago when we were all running on Twitter, his daughter, I can't remember her name, but Aquino's daughter, they were saying she looked like, Taylor Swift could be her clone. And when you hold certain. No, it wasn't Aquino's daughter. It was uh, Anthony LaVey's daughter, the one that actually ran the satanic that's right. church. It was Anthony yeah. LaVey's daughter. And his yeah. daughter looks yeah. exactly like yeah, Taylor there's Swift. There's a lot of similarities there. Is, there. I mean, yeah. There, that is like yeah. way too coincident. You know, and here's the thing about Aquino. 
you know, they say that he's like 80 something years old, man, but he's probably like 570 years old and he's on his fourth life, man. So they'll just like, they'll just, you know, call him something different for another generation or something like he, he seems to be one of those guys that, cause he looks like a demon. You know what I'm saying? Like he seems like somebody who's not human, that he's just like a demon that keeps renting, um, reinventing himself. <laughs> yeah. First time I ever saw that dude was years ago, back in the eighties, Geraldo Rivera. Yeah. Yeah. Did a show on Satanism and he was on there as part of the talk show. Um, and you know, and that was the first time I ever saw that dude. And I, it was just jaw dropping for me to know that he was in the military and he, he curled his eyebrows. Yeah. I mean, no, he does. He, he's done that his whole life. He curls it up like an owl. Yeah. Like a point. Yeah. Yeah. Like a point, you know, and it almost looks like trying to make horns and stuff. Any, anyhow. Well, it goes uh, back to that video that you posted on telegram earlier about ball in America. You know, because yeah. Ball's also called Mullet, called Satan. And, yep. you know, th that's why he did his little eyebrows. The way that he did it was to kind of pay homage to his satanic symbol, which is the owl. Crazy. But it just goes to show you that, you know, just like there's, there's, and I'm not trying to sound racist or picking on it, but just like we have Christians in the world, we have Satanists in the world, we have, you know, Muslims, uh, you know, whatever. Okay. E each, each people are out there. And you've got to use discernment when you're dealing with it. Just because you come up to me and tell me, oh, well, I'm a four-star general or whatever. So mm -hmm. I'm supposed to believe you're actually for my country. Yeah, it doesn't mean no. you're good, apparently, because this guy was a lieutenant colonel in charge yeah. of psychological operations, yeah. literally running his own satanic church. Yeah, that's just crazy. In America. In America, exactly. And that's the thing, though, is that that, that connection. His name, uh, True Patriot, his name is... Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Michael Aquino. That would be A-Q-U-I-N-O, Aquino. Um, and like I said, that was his relationship um, that he had in the military with Michael Flynn. It's a little unnerving, especially knowing this guy. <laughs> you know, and I, like I said, I've sat down and, and had face-to-face -face conversations with General Flynn on multiple. And this is the, this is the crazy part, man. We live in a world, and I'm not saying, I, I'm going to stress this again. I'm not saying one way or the other because I don't have all the answers. Um, right. But I but I am saying is that sitting down with him, he seems like nothing but a dude that absolutely loves our country and loves God. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I mean, he's, he's general-esque. You know what I'm saying? Like, he kind of reminds me of my dad a little bit. You know, it's one of those things like, I love you, so I'm going to yell at you and make fun of you until you do right. You know, he literally, the first conversation we ever had was him getting on me. In, in, a, in a fatherly way saying, we don't need to go to war. You need to calm down. Because <laughs> I was like, I got my bags packed, my guns and my ammo are sitting next to the door. And he like literally spent five minutes going off. And this is my birthday too. <laughs> then he's yeah, like, okay. You know, and you, you bring up a good point there because when I was in high school, I had a, a really good friend um, who out and out just told me that he was a Satanist and he practiced devil worship. Um and, and I talked to him, I had been shortly, con you know, give my life to the Lord and found salvation. And, and I talked to him and talked to him over and over and over and over and over while we were in high school. Um, and then years later, he actually, I seen him and he told me that he'd give his life to the Lord and he had gotten saved, which is, you know, praise God for that. But, you know, just because you have an acquaintance, here I was a Christian and this other guy was a Satanist. We still talked to each other because it was my job to the Lord had put him in my life to plant seeds. So it's not that like you, what you're saying, you're not saying that Flynn is. Yeah. 
you know, I think that's what we have to remember. We're, we're in such an age of, of deception right now. We really honestly don't know really who's for us and who isn't except for God. You yeah, know, exactly. That's the thing. And that's one thing too, you know, is, um, you know, that's why I'm on this show, especially because we do, we see this all the time. Like we've got people that we love, that we trusted. We're like, okay, they're on our side. And we start to question it. And once again, I'm not saying this about Flynn. I'm saying this about, you know, other people that are out there. There's a lot of people, there's a lot right. of, riffraff and division going on right now so it's hard to tell who's trustworthy or not and that's, that's why i'm always very careful i'm here is i'm not trying to go passing out hopium and i'm not trying to pass out false word that's why if i talk about something that's you know just me digging into scripture that's not like cryptic sound i'm like okay this is just me just the way that i interpret it my opinion you know what i'm saying so i'm very cautious about that because the last thing that i want to do is be one of those voices that becomes an untrusted voice Right. And at um, the end of the day, we always give everybody the advice, do your own research. Yeah, exactly. Like, okay, you read God's word for yourself. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing is that's, you know, we, we all need to be digging into that as well. Um, yeah, we're, um, hope we are, we're talking about, uh, uh, other people as well, but general Flynn was one of the, the people that we were referring to. Um, like I said, is that was one of the things is, um, you know, from personal experience, you know, it was like, uh, with Mike Lindell, you know, there's certain people that you sit down with and you're just like, man, you, you were, there's no question you're a good person. You know what I'm saying? Um, that's the problem now is that that's the beauty of manipulation and deception is that it's easy to give people to fall into that trust. So I'm not, of, go ahead. Yeah. So I'm not turning anyone's, especially with General Flynn. Um, there's certain people that I will be like, okay, I don't trust them. I think they're bad people. Flynn, like I said, I, I will never say anything negative about him because I don't have those answers. I want to be very cautious that I'm not trying to push off an opinion on, on you know, one way or the other. But right. I mean, I, you, never, you, you touch on yeah. You touch on something very important. I have people where I live that I know that are good people in my opinion, but I question their salvation. Yeah. Now I don't come at them about it, obviously, because I can't judge them on that. But I myself question that. So you're you're at you're spot on with that. Well, it was like last night or yesterday when I was like, "Hey, you ever listen to Bob Marley?" And eh, never really paid attention to him. I care about his soul. <laughs> you know, what I mean, I mean, that's where you need to be. Like, yeah. I don't know the guy, don't know much about him, but I still love his soul. So it's kind of where we all need to be at at this point. Um, but like I said, it's also why we need to be very cautious living in a world of deception that we don't leave any cracks in our armor for people to think that we may be deceiving them. Last thing that we want to do, because like I said, our job right here is to get people on that right track and to get ourselves on the right track. That's why I always stress that part too, is look, it's not about us being judgmental going, you need to be here. We need to be here. You know what I'm saying? Every single one of us um, every day has to repent. Um, you know, I told you I was open and honest last night about the one thing that I repent for like multiple times a day is sorry, God, for thinking about wanting to kill George Soros. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, well, I, I got to apologize to God about this multiple times a day. And it's not just George Soros. It's a lot of evil people like him. You know, Michael Aquino was on that list until he killed himself. So I don't have to worry about that one anymore. That's one less <laughs> repentance a day that I'm going to have to say. And, you know, the sad part about that, though, is, is. And and I'm I'm saying this sincerely. I, I have I have to fight that as well. Um, but it's sad to know that when they close their eyes in death, if they don't accept Jesus, if they don't accept what He did, the atoning blood, what He did on that cross, the free gift of grace, that they're going to spend eternity in hell. That's that's the sad part of it because they have every opportunity right now to turn at any given point. They can turn 
and accept Jesus and walk away from that and follow Christ, and everything is good. They have salvation. But the 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 pride in people's lives and the things that's been thrown out in people's faces, you know, well, I got to have a big house and a big car. And if I've got all this money and I've got all this power, now I'm somebody in life. No, you're not. No, you're not. That's all vanity because it's all going to disappear one day. It doesn't matter. Look at all the pharaohs that had all the riches they did. Every bit of that's here. So you're you're not going to take it with you. So it's it's just sad to think that people are are going to spend eternity in hell. And and I'm, we know reading God's word that there's going to be a lot. Or even worse, not getting to spend eternity with God. You know, I'd imagine that God's got a pretty good sense of humor. You know, one of those uh those really wealthy people here that spent all their life gathering the Mercedes in the nice houses goes up to heaven and they were like, all right, God, so I'm going to buy my way into heaven. God's like, how much money do you got? I got $5 million. And God's like, too bad. It's going to cost you 504. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but that's the thing there. You're right. It's, um, leaving, gathering our wealth and storing them in heaven. Nothing that we, nothing that we have here is going to get us into heaven as far as no matter how much money we matter of fact, uh, you know, I was talking to uh, Jay. We we text um throughout the day just to wish you a good day and so forth. And he texts me this uh this video of a waitress who was helping out a homeless man. You know, everyone else is ignoring him. He went over there to go eat scraps off of some plate that someone else left behind. They were like, no, 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 no. Here, they went and bought him a meal. And I mean, look, waitresses don't make a lot of money. This wasn't like a fancy restaurant, you know. But she and that was probably. A lot of money to her. Her meal probably was like an hour and a half to two hours worth of the work that she did that day to give him a meal. But that's the stuff that brings tears to your eyes. And that's one thing, you know, we were both the same way. Just like, you know, it made me want to go out and look for somebody and need to go help. Um, You know, and that's the thing is that I would be... uh, I'd be broke working as a waiter, you know, giving everybody a meal that couldn't afford one. Um, but that's the thing, though, is that, you know, it goes back down to the 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 woman with little and the wealthy men that, that gave their donations. And, you know, in God's eyes, the greatest donation that was given were the couple of pence that the poor woman handed over as compared to the the mass, the vast wealth that was handed over by the ones that could afford it. Yeah, the widow and two mites. Yeah. Yes, it was mites, not pence. I am getting way off in my history. <laughs> but um, but no, I mean, those, those are the beautiful stories of the ones that, because the ones that, that have little realize how important anything that they have is. That's the thing. When you end up with so much, you don't even recognize or, you know, what you have. Half the stuff you don't ever use, you know, but the yep. ones that have very little appreciate every single thing they've got so therefore when they see someone that has less than what they have they understand how important that is that's right that's exactly right you know i mean just think about it the the homeless man who finds a piece of cheese crust laying in a garbage can enjoys that meal better than the wealthy man that couldn't finish his filet mignon that he just spent 500 bucks on you know what i'm saying like everything is all in in the perspective and the thing is, is the only poor people in this world are the ones that don't have a relationship with God. That's very that's true. poverty. That's spiritual poverty. It's very true. And that's the ultimate. That's above everything, in my opinion. Yeah, exactly. So um, real quick, before we get into the next little bit of news, you know, when we came in here, first off, am I still okay? I'm still alive. I'm just checking. Now I'm all nervous because the, they kept on trying to shut me down the last couple of nights. So. Um, 
as long as Jeff's up here on Zoom, I guess that I haven't shut off yet. But anyways, uh, so when we first came in today, um, you know, we were discussing, you know, with your health issues that you've been dealing with now for about what, seven or eight months now. And, you know, I was like, you know, we, we, we know that part of this is the chemicals that are being dumped in the sky that we see the chemtrails every single day in these airplanes. So I was talking today when I went outside about this, um, odor that was in the air. And I said that it smelled like a, it smelled like a burnt clutch on a vehicle. My mom's got an automatic. That was the car that we had hopped out on. So it wasn't like a burnt clutch or anything like that. I couldn't find the source of the smell. Um, so I ended up going inside. Nathan came home probably about 30 minutes later and literally started walking around his truck trying to figure out where the, the smell um, of burnt brakes was coming from. So then, you know, and that's, that we live here in the same area. Um, so now Jeff is literally saying the same exact thing that we're saying five and a half hours down the road from where we are. I'm having that same exactly Matt and have, it's like a metallic to me. It reminds me of a smell of like a burnt clutch or, or the brakes of a semi truck that slammed on their brakes or something. Jeff described it as a metallic smell of like burning wires or something, but you are smelling the same exact thing that we're smelling here. Yeah, it's, yes. I literally thought my parking brake might have stuck on and burnt up the whole ride home. That's how bad it smelled. Yeah, so Matt and Hez said um, that they, they smelled it metallic. Uh, Hope says it happened here today, smelled like bug spray. So, like, everyone's got this, Terry Lynn says raids, everyone's got the same smell in their area. Um, so, they're complaining, you know, say so they're dumping toxins and heavy metals on us. Come across an article today because you know their their whole new green deal where they're you know all the farmers are protesting overseas. Their shelves are running empty because the farmers aren't letting um, foreign goods in their country. They're like, nah, you want goods, you take our goods. So good for them for for doing what they're doing. So now the uh, CDC and uh, um, WEF and all these other groups now are coming out trying to say that the gardens that you and I grow in our own backyard produce more carbon footprint than farmers produce. So now they're coming after like the, the little Patriot gardens, man, that it literally, well, we're going to have, I think our garden's going to be what 10 by 25 feet. So how much carbon are we going to possibly produce with a shovel, chicken poop and topsoil? Just wait till they find out you collect water too. Oh, wait until they find out I collect water. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the better question of that is what about all these jets in there? How much pollution is that putting no, up there? That's what I'm saying. Like in the irony, the people that go to Davos and their jets or, or then you got your Taylor Swift. It's like, we need to fix this world and lower our carbon footprint. Let me go hop in my jet to my next concert. Like they, she produces a bigger carbon footprint going from one location to another in her jet than I do in three years in my Nissan Juke. Yep. Yep. Well, except when I fly my juke into space to see if we live on a globe or, or a flat earth. Um, but, you know, hey, it's worth the carbon footprint. Well, after, after you leave there. the atmosphere, you don't have to worry about that. The carbon's going outside and out of space. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> We're carbonizing the universe. Um, man, so, so there, one way or the other, all this is about, it, it falls right into, it falls right back into scripture. Every bit of it falls right back into scripture. Um, so Jeff, I read this one to you earlier. I sent this one to you earlier. So let me go back and find it, it was, a. Uh... Oh, no, I was going to shut off on me again. You see that blink? Okay. Ooh. So this was, um, I'm going to read you. Oh, goodness gracious. Where is it? Uh, Deuteronomy 
2343, okay? Learning from history. Um, so we, we've discussed earlier this week, you know, we did two shows on signs and wonders with Jay Wu, talking about things to watch out for. So let me read you this out of Deuteronomy. I don't know what version of scripture this came from because the person I follow does screenshots. And then she puts the verses and stuff up there, but she doesn't put like King James Version or something. That's the first thing I That's the first thing he always asks. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, in this case, I'm not exactly sure. So the foreigners who reside among you, <clears throat> the foreigners who reside among you will rise above you higher and higher, but you will sink lower and lower. They will lend to you, but you will not lend to them. They will be the head, but you, you will be the tail. All these curses will come on you. They will pursue you and they will overtake you until you are destroyed because you did not obey the Lord, your God and observe the commands that decrees he gave you. They will be a sign and wonder for you and your descendants forever because you did not serve the Lord God joyfully and gladly in the time of prosperity. Therefore, in hunger and thirst and nakedness and dire poverty, you will serve the enemies the Lord sends against you. He will um, put an iron yoke on your neck until he has destroyed you. The Lord will bring a nation against you from far away from the ends of the earth like an eagle swooping down a nations whose language you will not understand, a fierce-looking nation without respect for old or pity for the young. They will devour the young of your livestock, your crops, and your land until you are destroyed. They will leave you no grain, no wine, olive oil, nor any calves of your herds or lambs of your flocks until you are ruined. Like, man, that could have been written yesterday. Like seriously, literally talking about the foreigners coming on your land. They will be raised to a higher level than you are. We're poor. These guys are getting everything for free. Um, and then when it gets down to 49 and it starts jumping up into, oh, yeah, and they'll destroy all your food, your crops, your cattle, your land, your grains, your oil. Like we are literally watching that. I told you the other night about the map that I came across with over 250 food processing plants, plants grain plants, chicken farms, cattle ranches that have all burst into flames and burnt down to the ground just since 2022. 250 right here in the United States of America. That is not including the hundreds all over this world right now. Yeah. Well, you know, that's part of scripture um, that what you were talking about a while ago. History has a way of repeating itself, but God's word already gives you the answer to what history is going to be. So just like we've said on here before, you know, look, go back in, in the Old Testament, look at the Israelites. Every time God delivered them from something, they turned against God because they were stiff-necked people. And what did God do? He gave them back over to an evil tyrant to draw them back to where they should be to repent, in other words. Yeah, to me, that's what I took from that is here's what's going to happen if you don't listen to me. So please listen to me. Yeah, exactly. You know? and, and we're there. I mean, just well, like what because you we won't, Because we weren't listening. Well, we were, but the thing is, is as a collective, as a whole country, we weren't. And that's no, the thing. Is that, that's just it. Yep. But, but God also has told us, like, look, you, you believe in me. You believe that I am your key to salvation. And you also believe that I'm going to give you everything that you need. And that's the thing. Even when it comes down to the mark of the beast, you know, there are going to be people, we discussed this before the show, that are out there going, because what do they do? Okay, we discussed this first as... And as far as mind control, we were talking about um, Lieutenant Aquino, Michael Aquino, um, how he did um, MK Ultra. 
So I was doing some digging into the old uh, MK Ultra research they did back in the Nazis did, and what did they do to your body? They, you know, Nathan talked about you know lithium, heavy metals, aluminums, basically exactly what they're dropping out of those airplanes now is what they were putting in the people's bodies then because you become weak, your body, your immune system goes down, you don't have the brain function that you had before, you don't have the willpower. And you were way easily manipulated. Yeah, and then, you're more susceptible to giving in. Exactly. So that's why they're dumping all these metals and, and chemicals on top of us right now, as well as on the land, because we ultimately end up consuming these things. Um, that that faith in God, that relationship in God that we have right now is ultimately what's keeping us from falling into the trap of indoctrination and MK Ultra. If we didn't have that relate, because we can't avoid the chemicals. We can't avoid the aluminums and the barium and, and whatever else they're dumping out of the skies. There's no way of avoiding that. Our, our key right now, the reason that we are not indoctrinated, the, we, the reason that we are not MK controlled is our faith with God. God is our healing constantly right now. Yeah, well, you know, if, when, once you become born again, you get sealed with the Holy Spirit of God. The Bible tells you that, you know, does that mean you're not susceptible to damages by no means. I mean, look at Paul. Paul was whipped and obviously he felt pain. He was stoned. He felt pain. So, you know, but he was also bitten by a viper and he didn't die. Yep. You know, that's the other thing. You know, it's all in God's hands when you're his child. But the thing that we've got to remember is there's so much false doctrine going on. There's so many people out here who are claiming to be Christians and preachers and teachers and they're manipulating God's word to feel good. And I don't have a problem with the feel good. Uh, you know, everybody likes to feel good and I really would love to feel good. Praise God. Um, but they're perverting God's word. How long do you think God's going to continue to allow this? You know, I've, and, and I don't knock people for reading the NIV, ESV and some of those others. But what I would tell you is this, do your research on that. I dropped some stuff in brothers in a Bible the other day that shows you, where some of these new translations have taken out key things, such as Jesus come to save that which was lost. Yeah, we talked, we did a show on that. That took yeah. that verse completely out of there. Why? Yeah, and, and then and you've got people out here preaching from these Bibles. Exactly. I mean, exactly. And, the, and then also the ones that literally said that this wasn't in the original writings, you know what I'm saying? Like already yeah, trying to set up like doubt. Yeah, exactly. And like, that's what it, and who, who's behind confusion? Lucifer. It's Lucifer. Right? And that's the thing. It's like when, when you're reading a Bible and you come to a line that says, well, the stuff that's coming up wasn't in the original scripture. Who reads any further? Or if you go and you read it, you're reading it with doubt. You know what I'm saying? Like that's automatically exactly because right. of that one line that they put in there, you are automatically either going to avoid the next line or yep. you're going to read it with doubt. And there's, you know, I have people ask me all the time and look, folks, I'm not knocking you. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to beat you down. If you're one of those people, I'm not. But what I say is for my, me, myself is this, what I have in front of me are King James Virgin Bibles. And I've lived enough of it to know that it is the infallible word of God. I trust it with my life. I trust it with my salvation. There is no other period. And you can talk about, well, those weren't an original transcripts. Well, you know what? That's exactly right. But they were also translated over and funny thing was that jesus said today would come what he would speak speak his word in a different language 
Okay. Now, isn't it funny that all that all these things have been translated from one language to, to another. another? It ended up into English. What yeah. is the most used language in all all the earth? The English in- right now, absolutely. absolutely. Okay. So, I mean, because coincidence. I mean, God's word blatantly is has prophesied that. Well, it went from the most popular because you got to think it. I mean, you know, original Hebrew. Um, you've got um, Latin, which was kind of the predominant language for a while, and right. now English is. So it's always you know in the thing you know. But what we we're saying too is that. You're safer reading scripture that was predating 18 or the what the mid 1800s or was it 1600s? When when was the King James version? 1600s? Well, 1611 was the one yeah. that was came out after the, like the Geneva type. And the thing. Geneva came prior, like uh, prior to that one, right around. Yeah. The bottom line is this, you know, and a lot of people I've seen a lot of stuff, and it's even had me questioning before um, about King James. Yeah, King James wasn't. Wasn't such a good guy, in my opinion, but let me just say, uh, it still does not take away from what I've lived. And that's that's when you've lived enough of something, no one's going to tell you any different. I mean, that's just the way it is. When when I go through Scripture and I see what God has too, done in my life, what He's I've seen Him do in other people's lives, according to the Word that's right here in this Bible, not specifically the one I have in front of me, but the one I have in there on my kitchen table, you're not going to convince me. You, you can sit here and talk about this kind of like talking about flat earth and, and the globe, wh- whatever, but you, you're not going to convince me either way until God, I listen to God. And what God convinces me of that is what I run with. Yeah. This Bible I have in front of me, I'm going to stick with it. Everybody else, each to your own. All I would say is um, do your, do your due diligence. And I'll tell you this too. There's another guy that I'm that Duncan and myself are going to try to get on the show um, his name is Brandon Peterson, and I've also posted a thing on Brothers in a Bible with him. This guy is doing something that I started out doing. Dunky, you remember I was doing all the number things and yeah. telling you about the numbers. Well, he has far exceeded what what I was even beginning to do, and he will literally go through and show you numerically all the numbers and how they line up with God's Word in the King James Version only now. And I'm not a big numbers person. I don't get into all that gematra and stuff like that. But let me just tell you what Brandon Peterson is doing. It will blow your mind. What God is using that boy to do will blow your mind. And go check him out on Brothers in the Bible and Telegram. I put it up there. Um, check him out on YouTube. Phenomenal job. Phenomenal job. Well, it is interesting, too, because, you, know, <clears throat> you know, the Bible, you have the surface reading of it. You know the what you read and understand, but I always believe that that, that it's hands down way more complex than just you know simple reading. That there's we'll never understand it. No, there's all kinds of little keys that we'll never understand numbers and like I said, That's right. and the greatest thing about it, like we've talked and you and I've talked about this, is God's word touches each person. That is the most amazing thing. You can leave all the numbers out. You can leave out all the parables. You can leave out all that stuff. How God's word talks and reacts in an individual's life as living word is amazing. Yeah. I've seen it. I've seen it in my own family. I've seen it for myself. I've seen other people, friends, and whatever. And how what God will tell them, he may not tell me, but then when you communicate, you you get a better understanding. But it's just amazing to me. It just proves to me that this this Bible is legit. It's real, and I have no doubts in that. Um, and I know a lot of people out there right now, especially, are badgering it. Whatever, each to their own. You're going to stand up for that, not me. But uh, 
I encourage you, you know, and don't get distraught. If you you decide that, you know, maybe you feel like Lord's laying on your heart to go to the King James, hey, look, don't don't get distraught about not understanding the begots and the hitherto's and and the these and thou's. Look it up. It's that simple. Don't don't get discouraged. Just look it up. What does that word mean? Is it in the plural? Is it in the singular? Because those make a difference. Sometimes it, it'll say a word that refers to you, and it will mean singular, and then it'll another, use another word that refers to plural well, more than one. That's the big difference between the dials, the doubts, and the so forth. Is it the, the right. singular and plurals? And I'm, I'm don't, don't get discouraged. Yeah, I'm, I'm learning that as well. So, um, DJ Puposi asks, "Is Brandon Truth is Christ on YouTube?" Yes. Okay. That is correct. That's where I actually found him and started watching a lot of his stuff. Um, and then I've been reaching out to him through emails. I'm actually signing up to do, he's going to be doing a, him and some of his colleagues are doing a beta test on a website to where you can go in and you put in something and it brings you up all this information. It's going to be a real handy tool. Um, if you sign up, it's free. Um, they're going to be doing a beta test. Um, I, I'm excited about it because it's something that I think that I'm going to enjoy using. It will help. If you're a person that likes to do research like Duncan, myself, and a lot of other people, um, and especially in the scripture, it will help you um, because it will take you to where, like, for example, you you put in the word angel. It will take you everywhere that says angel. It will give you the references, how many times it is, where it shows up, all these different things. So great tool, but he does some he does some great videos. Awesome. Now, some of those things you're talking about with the numbers lining up, does it have to do with the when they start looking at these different sequences and numbers and they actually predicted events of today? Because I've seen that well, when I was younger. Yeah, where people yeah no. Um, so to give you an example, one of the things is the, the number 153. Um, Peter's name, Peter caught 153 fish. If you read God's word, you find out Peter, when he cast out his net one time, he drew back 153 fish. Peter's name ironically shows up 153 times in the New Testament. So those are all things is that, that a, are very is that a, is fantastic how they're playing out and so you can't plan that stuff. It's just God. No, no, you're talking about three two thousand plus years ago. How how could someone have sat down back then and done all that? And I know somebody out there is going to say, "Well, they built pyramids. Look at those." Well, no, I got news for you. Nobody's going to convince me that man built pyramids. That had all to do with the fallen angels and the nephilim. Yeah. Uh, that's my opinion. I don't have no proof on that, but that's. A little deeper than an opinion. I'm just going to leave that laying there. Well, then I'll say this. Like when I was growing up, I heard about how they had did something with the Bible and they were referencing how if you take certain numbers, it would predict the, it predicted the events that we were going through like 9-11. And I mm -hmm. started thinking back, man, that makes sense that sometimes it would be a, a line in scripture that was repeated. I'm like, why would he say that twice? But when yeah. you think about how that second time being said created that exact number to line up, it's like, that's pretty fantastic. Yeah. Well, he goes all the way from Old Testament and in New Testament. So it's, that's what I like about it. It's not just strictly Old Testament. It's not New Testament. It's an entire Bible. And what he's trying to do, folks, so you understand, he's not trying to discredit anybody or cause hardship. What is she? He, at one point, he was a person that used different Bibles. Um, and then when he began to do this study on the King James Version, yeah. why, what was this infatuation about a King James Version? He sat down and took it upon himself to do his research and to do all these things. And he began to run these numbers. 
throughout the Bible sequences. You know, how many times does the Lord God show up? How many times does Jesus Christ show up and all these things? And when you start running all these references, which is something I was doing before I, all this happened to me, um, you began to see these number patterns. And it can't be coincidences. I mean, it just can't. It's like the number three in numerology, you know, in the Bible, it, three days, Jonah was in the belly of the well. Three days, Jesus was on the cross. Three days this and three days that, you know, was in the tomb. Um, you know, so there are there are numbers there that show God's patterns. Let me say it that way. Yeah. And I always figured there's a lot that comes in there. You know, just like what Nathan was saying is we don't know. Like, that's how it's God's yeah. book. Like, nobody would be able to put things together quite like that. And we were discussing before the show, which we'll get into here in just a little bit. I'm um, talking about the woman at the well, that the well was dug by Jacob and was 151 feet deep, you know? So you, you, you figure it's not a coincidence that those numbers are out there. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, that there's a significance and it's not just like, well, we just, because of all the things that they left out of the Bible, because you think about it, like if we had learned every single thing about every one of them's lives, we would probably need like 150 different <laughs> versions of King James, you know what I'm saying? Um, so what they decided to put in to me has to be very significant because right. of all the stuff that they chose not to put in. So when you say 151 foot dug deep down, you know, by Jake, you, you know that there's a reason that they put that number in there. Yeah, there has to be. And I actually real quickly, I went back and looked that up um, and I couldn't find anything specific, but I will promise you if that well, uh, and I forget the gentleman's name, hang on, I'll tell you real quick. So I don't tell you something wrong. Um, if I can find it, I thought I had it close by here. Um, but the guy, um, uh, yeah, G Ernest Wright. Um, he, he was like an archeologist. Um, and when he excavated near Jacob's well, he actually measured it and it was 151 feet deep. Now immediately my mom went, my mom went to, okay, I don't remember 151 anywhere in the Bible. It's probably there, but I just don't, I've, don't remember it. So I went to look in different things and numerology and stuff. Of course I didn't find anything, but I could promise you, like you're saying that has some kind of significance somewhere. To, yeah. Because it's still like, it still that's exists. A odd number. You know, um, it's the same thing too, as I'm waiting to, you know, find, I hadn't talked about this. I meant to, but we've talked about, um, one of the most significant, um, pieces of Christian history. In, or, or, you know, just well, Christian history in general would have been the Ark of the Covenant. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of people know what that is. Even if even Christians know what the Ark of the Covenant is. So I found it interesting that they've got a replica of that right now sitting in Mar-a-Lago. And, you know, we've been discussing, um, you know, that this year there's going to be some significant things, some biblical things that happen. I think there's going to be something, you know, that people are going to be like, they're not going to say anything, but okay, that had to have been God. You know what I'm saying? Like, the the thing that happens to waking up so i'm just i found it curious that of all of the things that trump could have decorated mar-a-lago with his focal point right now is like an ark of the covenant made of gold yeah absolutely yeah i'm also who knows i can tell you this it's not the real ark oh no it's not the real ark but but we also you know a lot of things are they're placed there just uh as like nods and that's if Trump's good. Hat tips, yeah. yeah, like hat tips. But, you know, that's still up for debate. Well, we will see. <laughs> I guess we will We will see. Well, here's another question. Those numbers that are in the Bible, like the 151 feet, 
what did they measure with back then? They had cubits and they had other measurements and then we also have meters. So I wonder how many other correlations there are with different numbers and systems around the world. That's a very, and see, I was thinking about that earlier. If they were measuring it to them, that could have been like you're saying seven cubits. And that has, you know, some significance in it because a lot of things deal with the number seven when they built things in structure. But I'm sure these guys just took a tape measure and dropped it down the well and said, oh, okay, 151 feet. Um, so I, I don't know. I've not done a lot of digging into it. So, hey, that's something good for somebody out there. If you want to dig into that, um, I would really be interested in knowing how that number is in correlation to God's word because I can promise you something is whether it was the building of the temple uh, maybe even had something to do with Noah's art because you got to remember Jacob was a descendant of who Abraham. Okay. And Abraham did a lot of great things. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I guarantee there's a, there's something behind it though. Yeah. That'd be fun. I'm just going to start. I'm going to give everything in cubits from here on out. I'm going to home Depot. got to pick up some wood. Yeah. I'm looking for a two by four. That is 12.5 cubits. The, the irony is it living in this little town in Kentucky, we probably have the guy that worked at, at Home Depot or Lowe's going, oh, yeah, okay, let me get that for you. You know exactly what a cubic measurement is. We, we do live in one of those little towns, man. That's it. From here on out, man, everything's done in cubits. Um, so let me run through some news real quick, and we're going to get onto our topic. So I'm going to play this beginning of this quick little video. For those that are you're wondering, um, Taylor Swift is not a psyop. It is not a psyop. I know a lot of people are trying to convince you that Taylor Swift is a psyop to get Joe Biden in, but it's not true. And how do I know Good it's morning. not true? Taylor Swift is not a psyop. 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 That's how I know Taylor Swift is not a psyop because, like, 50 different news stations just told me that at one time. See, they, 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 they act like, well, we'll come out and tell everybody that Taylor Swift's not a psyop. And then you get like 50 different news corporations saying everything, the exact same words. It's like, yep, that convinced me. Yes. Mm -hmm. Apparently Taylor Swift is not a psyop. You know what made me do? It made me feel like this was more of a psyop than I thought it was to begin with. I mean, that's crazy. Like, you literally, there's like 50 different news stations. They all got their four o'clock talking points. Like, this is what I want you to say all day. Just say Taylor Swift is not a PSYOP. Exactly. Like, brought to you by Pfizer. That's yeah, exactly. So are all of you, are you convinced, Nathan? Absolutely. Jeff, how about you? You convinced? You know me better than that, brother. <laughs> Watch, next thing you know, they're going to be going, Jesus Christ is a PSYOP. And then you're going to have like 80 news things trying to convince you that Jesus was a PSYOP. Watch. It's coming. What was that thing I found by the Babylon Bee earlier? Let me find that clip. Uh, where you go? Yeah, I figured it was going to try. Oh, here we go. Republicans announced that they have made concessions on immigration deal in exchange for these really cool magic beans. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it took, guys. We got a border deal. All it took was some magic beans. Um, real quick is uh, we got a pre-warning from Alex Jones and multiple other people already talking about um, – the melee that we're going to need to watch out for going down to Texas. Um, the FBI put out a statement last night saying um, to expect, um, and they put a white supremacist, white supremacist terrorist action is what we're expecting this weekend in Texas. So uh, that's right, guys. Watch out for the white people. They're going to cause some problems. 
you know, I didn't know there was that many Democrats down there. In my opinion, there's, there's like, yeah, they're all in Austin and they're, they're all like shoved into the same couple of cities. But, um, yes. Yeah, so white supremacist is the, is going to be the issue that we are dealing with. Um, because we don't need rabble rousers out there trying to waste our time with like freedom and stuff. Gosh, man, freedom. Who wants freedom, right? Yeah. Yeah. We knew that they were going to do that. We also expected this to happen. Um, yeah. So, uh, next we got, um, new legislation proposed that this American farmer says will eventually shut down and put all family, um, family farms out of business. So basically it's a mandatory electronic identification ear tag bill that would allow the government and environmental groups to attribute livestock to climate change, to receive information on small farms and cattle. The, they were all going to have to pay for these tags. And what it's saying here is that most small farms aren't going to be able to afford this. So they're basically going to be put out of business simply because they can't afford to pay the government to spy on them. Hmm. Once again, they can't have us relying on ourselves. It sounds like those fishermen that have to pay this, the salary of the people coming on to regulate what they're catching. No, and that's what they're doing that to the fishermen now too. Exactly. They're, they're giving them like regulation taxes. So the same thing that uh, New York is doing right now in California is they're trying to pass a bill that taxes you to use your car daily. $15. So think about this. You're an Uber driver. You're a Lyft driver. You're a taxi driver. You're a truck driver having to pay $15 a day to utilize the vehicle that you need in order to make a living. Yeah. Well, that's part of getting you to bow down. You know, if you, you create enough pressure on people financially, uh, where they can't eat, and they, they'll, they'll eventually, a lot of them will crumble. A lot of them out there, I'm promising you right now, listen to me good. A lot of them us out there that's diehard saying, oh, no, 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 ain't no way I'd ever do that, blah, blah, blah. Don't ever say never. Nope. Okay, because there's a lot of people that would, just to be quite honest, and I'm not trying to badmouth them, and I don't have anybody in mind, but I'm just saying there's a lot of people that would. If it come down to them, like you're saying, these Uber drivers or whoever, they start keep raising these prices up and you know, they'll say, okay, well, if you'll do this, then we'll lower them prices a little bit. Well, guess what they're going to do? Yeah. They're going to lower, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, it's that simple. They'll, they'll fall in line to get those, those prices lowered so that they can live comfortable and happy. Yes. You will own nothing and you will and be, be happy. happy. Matt, Matt, Matt and head says it perfectly. They're basically trying to Simon Peter the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what they're doing. We're just going to tax everybody out of a job. Here we go. We'll take your boots. Um, and then one little quick last thing to do in the news. We'll get into our topic this evening. Um, so look what else is coming into our country. So we're, we're talking about fentanyl, child trafficking, and all this other stuff that are coming over with the immigration. Right now, ancient diseases and one of the most contagious and dangerous lung infections known to man are coming across the border um, over this week. So the bumps on this, I got a picture here. It's disgusting. The bumps on this illegal's bodies was detained. Um, crossing the, the border is smallpox. So here we go. They're, they're pushing smallpox and monkeypox into our country. Um, over half of the detainees from that caravan have tested positive for tuberculosis. Wow. So they're, you know, again, again, to get you to what was the one thing most Americans said they weren't going to do? They weren't going to take all these shots, right? Mm -hmm. So bring it over here. Let's get the fear going, and they'll bow down, and they'll do it. That's exactly what they're doing too. Yeah, they're trying to get you to bow down. 
you know, and then don't get me wrong. I mean, it, it is kind of scary stuff, but, you know, choose this day whom you'll serve. Choose this day, not tomorrow, this day who you will serve. Yeah. It's going to be most important coming up in the future. Yeah, but there's only one right choice um, in this right. case. One right choice. Uh, and then finally, um, and I love this one too, this is Matthew twenty twenty six. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be a servant. And I love that. This is the exact opposite of what we're dealing with our politicians today. But that's the thing. This is what we need to look for. We need to look for the leader who is willing to be a servant first. The one that doesn't come out and say, I'm your leader, but the one that comes out and says, I'm your servant. That's what we need right now running our country, our government, our house, our Senate, and so forth. And until that time comes, we're just going to end up in the same hole that we're in right now. Yeah, and technically they are our, our servants. They work for the people, but unfortunately they've been given too much power and now they don't. So, Yep, exactly. All right, man, let's get off of the news and we'll get into some uh, some scripture here of um, the woman in the well. And I love this story. So who was the woman in the well in the Bible and the story and significance? So the story of the woman at the well um, is a rich example of love, truth, redemption, acceptance. And at best of all, um, not only does Jesus accept her, but he accepts us as well. He wants us um, all in his holy kingdom, if only to believe. Now, we, uh, I, the reason that I really um, kind of fell in love with the story to begin with is, you know, we watched The Chosen. It was kind of our family thing. Um, me and my mom, knew, we all um, we'll sit around and we would watch The Chosen episodes, you know, and then they, they did a really phenomenal um, job on talking about the woman in the well. So one thing that I just, I, I really loved is this is one of the greatest stories of just repentance and redemption, like straight up. So a woman who had some, you know, marital issues, um, you know, kind of in the lineup with Mary Magdalene and so forth, the town hated her. Um, they couldn't stand her. So she was a very lonely woman. And during that time, you know, people had to go gather their water um, and they would have to go out to this well. So the well was a decent, was, it was a good little walk. It wasn't like, you know, you're walking right next to your neighbor's house to get, you know, water. Um, so generally the women were the ones that would collect in the water and they would do it in the morning and they would do it in the late evening. And the reason that they would do that is because during that, that time, the sun was so hot, it'd get miserable just walking in that heat, much less having to carry, you know, who knows five, let's just say five gallon bucket of water that you had to get out of a well and bring all the way back to the city. So the woman was hated so much. She didn't feel comfortable around the people. So she just would go and collect her water at midday because no one else would be at that well. So she would basically chose that time to avoid people. That is the reason that she chose that time. So Christ and his disciples were on their venture. Where were they heading? Do you remember? Was it Galilee? Yeah. Yeah. So they were heading to Galilee and the Christians and the Samaritans didn't like each other. They, they, matter of fact, the Christians hated the Samaritans. They just thought that they were like the, the Christians or the, was it the, the Jews? Well, they weren't Christians at that time. It was the Jews. Jews. Yeah, the Jews. Jews. So I guess they Jews. weren't Christians at the time. It was the Jews. So the disciples in particular were talking about, you know, like, we don't want to go this way, you know, cause Jesus, you know, they were like, where are we heading? Well, we're heading here, but we're going to go this direction. We're going to go through Samaria. And the disciples, apostles were like, nah, let's go around, you know, because that was what they chose to do. Rather than going through a town of people that they despise, they would rather take a walk around it, around the city, and venture into Galilee without cutting through. So they were willing to take the long route rather than 
being around people they didn't care for. So it takes three days to get around Samaria to Galilee, where it would have taken one day if they crossed straight through Samaria to get to Galilee. So like I said, as they were willing, as well as most of the Jews were willing to take an extra three day hike rather just to avoid this city. Um, but Christ was like, no, we're, we're going this way. And I don't think the disciples and the apostles were too happy about it <laughs> because they certainly didn't want to go. But who's going to argue with Jesus? And keep in mind, too, is that there was a point later where everyone understood that Jesus was the Messiah. But at this point, Jesus wasn't even acknowledging that at this point. Matter of fact, many of the times he was like, you know, here's the healing. Here's the miracle. Don't go tell anybody. You know what I'm saying? Because he wasn't ready to expose who he was. That's correct. But they, you know, the, go ahead. The, uh, one, one other thing to add to that, too, is you're talking, you know, the Samaritans were looked down upon, too, because they were a, a mixed race um, and were known to be living in sin. You know, we have a lot of that division in, in our world, even unto, up to this day. Um, you know, a lot of you have a lot of mixed races out there that, that people despise. Um and different things. And we have a lot of people living in sin. And, you know, that was another reason that they wanted to kind of veer around this. They, they were trying to hold themselves to be kind of holy in the presence of, you know, God. And so let's go around this. Let's don't go through there, Lord, because these people are, they're filthy. You exactly. Know? Like we're better than another them. reason. Yeah. Yeah. We're better than let's not walk to the ghetto. That's pretty much the equivalent <laughs> of it today. I'm not walking through the ghetto. Um, I didn't say it. So, Basically, they ended up following Christ because who's going to not follow Christ? Christ is like, we'll be fine, guys. Trust me. All right, Father, we'll go. So they went over there. The woman came out to the well about 12 o'clock in the afternoon, like the heat of the day. Yeah, the sixth hour. Yeah, so she thought she was going to get water. Her intent when she left Samaria was to go get water from that well. Um, but that wasn't the intent that she went there. Only Christ at that time, not even the disciples, no apostles, nobody knew what the intent of that journey was except for Jesus Christ. He knew exactly what he was doing. So he goes to the well and he stands there. And I'm going to like, I'm going to say this real quick and then I'm going to jump around. I'm going to let Jeff talk about something that he brought up early, which I thought was pretty profound. And then we're going to get back into the story. So she comes over there with the well. She ends up talking to Jesus Christ. Now, who was the lady? What was the lady's name? Well, she had no name. And it was there's a beauty of the fact that her name was never, ever mentioned is because it was a child of God. The, the name, the person, the who was very insignificant. The only significant part was the fact that she was a Sumerian. And the reason that was important is because it showed that Jesus loved everybody, period. That's right. I love you. I don't care what other people think of you. I love you. So the reason that she came down, there wasn't to gather water. Although she thought it was, it was to talk to Christ. Christ knew why he was there. So the woman, after talking to the heavenly father, you know, God, Jesus is like, look, I know, I know you, I know what you've done. I know people hate you, but guess what? I don't hate you. I love you. Why are you talking to me? Not only am I a Samaritan, but I'm a female. And Jesus is like, I don't care. You are still a child of God. I love you. I forgive you for everything you've done. I don't care what anybody else thinks about you. This is the way that I perceive you. So she literally probably felt love, sincere love, probably for the first time in her life, like true, sincere love. So much so that in her excitement, she runs back. Keep in mind, it's the middle of the day. It's really hot outside. She runs back to Samaria, literally leaves 
the jug that she brought with her, the whole point of going there was to gather water, which she never did. She did, technically, and I'll let Jeff explain that here in a minute, but she didn't walk away with the physical water in that jug. But what did she do? She went back to Samaria and she ended up bringing people back, Samaritans back with her to talk to the Heavenly Father because she was so excited and felt that love. She's like, oh man, everyone needs to see this. So she brings them back. How long did Jesus stay at that well? Three days, okay? Now, go back to the three days we were just talking about. If they had not cut through Samaria to go to Galilee, it would have taken them three days to venture around Samaria to get to their destination. But instead, Jesus said, no, let's go this way. He used the same three days that it would have taken them to walk around Samaria to preach to the Samarians and then ultimately still get to the destination that they were heading to on time. The same time that it would have taken if they had gone around Samaria like they had planned to do, which I think is awesome. Another significance in this story, especially in the book of John, is that of any account ever with Jesus coming face to face and talking to someone, there is no longer of a period of time than with this woman at that well. He spent more time talking to the Samarians and this woman than he did collectively anyone else in the whole book of John, which is pretty cool. So, um, Jeff, you were talking about the significance of the um, sheep herders. I'm, I'm going to leave it at that because I want you to just spell out the story. And, and it was pretty profound. And, and I loved how you put that. Oh, OK. Um, well, there's a lot of stories that you can take from John four. Um, but this one in particular that, that Duncan chose to talk about is, you know, so if you go back and you look at the history of that area over there, um, the sheep relied on the shepherd for everything, food, water, safety, everything. I mean, if, if a sheep went astray, it was only a matter of time before the wolves got it and killed it. Uh, and that's why most when sheep went astray, the shepherd would go get them. But the point of this whale is, so you're you're out there in the middle of nowhere and you, you have you have to find water. Obviously, it's in the desert. You've got to find water. I've always I found it fascinating that Jesus is referred to as the good shepherd and we're referred to as the sheep. Well, you take this one story in particular and you find here we have Jesus, the good shepherd, standing at the well, and we have a, a woman representing sheep. Okay. And she's asking for this water that she can have, that she'll never thirst again. She doesn't grasp the concept at first. Jesus is sitting there asking her for the water. How can I get you water? You don't have anything to draw water from. She wasn't understanding the, the whole point of the message. So he's offering her the living water. And that's exactly what shepherds did with their sheep. They, in a sense, were, were the good shepherd because if the shepherd didn't take time to lead his flock over to a place, say Jacob's well or another well somewhere out there, and he didn't lower down his rope and he did not give them water, it was just a matter of time before his sheep died. And we all know how important water is. We can live several days without food, but we've got to have yep. water. It's, there's so many stories that could come out yeah. of this about water. Because, um, like, because, you know, water is life. You, you right. have to have water to live. And so what did Jesus offer you? Because you had mentioned the same thing with baptizing because it's the That's living right. water. And then it also falls into the fact is that she found Christ and repented. So he basically gave her 
life living led water. her to water. And, and he led her to the living water as one of his flock. Um, and this does give, a, as you said, it does give the representation of here we find Jesus is referring to him as the living water. And again, it's baptism, and I'm not going to argue this with anybody, but baptism does not save you. Okay, Jesus, and it, just one illustration right here where he's talking about you must, he's trying to give her the living water. Mm-hmm. It, he's telling you that it's my water that I'm giving yeah. you, the spirit, okay, that's going to keep you to have everlasting life. Now, don't get me wrong. If you're out there and you're saved and you're not baptized, you need to get baptized as soon as you can. That's the dying of the old man, bringing forth the new, a lot of different things, okay? But I'm not saying don't get baptized. You need to get baptized for several different reasons. We're not going to go into the, the show you know, the show right now. But I, I just find it very fascinating how Jesus used this, this analogy to talk to this woman spot on perfect time to get her to understand because she was always coming to that well to get water. She knew where the well was. She knew what she had to do and she knew what the water was for, whether it was for drinking and cleaning. And she knew how important this water was. And here Jesus, who she don't even know she's talking to the Messiah. Can I have some water? Yeah. And that's, Uh, see, and that's beautiful too. Cause Christ asked, Christ ended up ultimately giving her the living water. But Christ asked her for water first. And and that was like the introduction. Like, you know, so the importance, you know, here in the story. So, all right. So a female in society where women were were despised, um, the the Samaritans in general were despised by the Jews. And then you had a woman who was despised by her own people all Mm -hmm. at the same time. You know, so she was very hesitant, probably very distrustful. And, And, you know, so... The fact that, you know, she's probably used to no one even talking to her or going out of their way to avoid her, you know, and then here this stranger literally not only reaches as a Jew, reaches out to a Sumerian woman or who is a woman who is an outcasted woman and ask her for a favor. That was like the icebreaker. That was yeah. ultimately what made her feel comfortable enough to engage a little bit further when she went there to avoid people. To me, the most important part that comes out of this whole story, and if you read it over and over and over and you understand what shepherds and sheep, how they how they do in that in that area there, that land, the most important thing is understanding that we can't get living water on our own. Mm-hmm. Jesus has to give it to us, kind of like the shepherds have to give it to the sheep because obviously a sheep can't draw water out of the well. Now, he might could fall in the well, but then he's dead. But, you know, Jesus has to give us this living water, just like the shepherds over there. Even to this day, over 3,000 years ago, even up to this day, the shepherds have to give the sheep water. So does Jesus. Mm-hmm. We can't get it without him. He is the living water. I just find, to me, that's the that is the number one thing that I take out of that is the salvation part of that. Oh, just that, yeah. He has to give it to us, and, and in general too, you know, because you got to think, even with the fact that when Christ first went up there and was like, "Can I have some water?" Because I mean, you know, he was thirsty. Because if I'm not mistaken, the disciples were collecting food in town at this point, so yeah, they weren't even they weren't. there. You know, so so imagine like Jesus humbled himself. You know, what I'm saying like men didn't ask women for anything really at that point. You know what I'm saying? They were like, hey, woman, go get me some water. You know, but Jesus was like, may I have some? You know what I'm saying? So he, he humbles himself. So it's a show of piety. 
like right then and there, even with his first experience in here. So what happens to this woman? She ends up repenting. She ends up having like the heavenly encounter with Christ, got so excited that she ran into town and ended up getting the town to come back in and believe in Christ. So it's like the story of repentance, repentance, you know what I'm saying? Like her repentance ended up leading to the repentance of others, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just, it's amazing. And the fact is that the story would not have been as powerful if it wasn't everything that most people despise at that time. You know what I'm saying? The women weren't looked up at, you know, as, as the leaders, um, you know, the, the Jews with the Sumerians and so forth, like everything just meshed well. And that's what created the power of the story is it showed that Jesus loves all. He doesn't judge. He forgave. This is before his sacrifice on that cross. He knew what was coming. But like I said, you know, um, everything that Christ did didn't just have one lesson. It wasn't like a parable with a lesson. It's a parable with like 30 lessons within a whole bunch of little Easter eggs and keys that basically intertwine other scripture and other books right back into that same story. You know, verse 41, I'm going to read that real quick if you don't mind. Uh, John four forty one, and it goes on through to uh, 42. But l- listen to this, just like what you were saying there, Duncan. And many more believed because of his own word and said unto the woman, now we believe. Now listen to this. Now we believe not because of thy saying. In other words, not because you've told us this woman, for we have heard him ourselves and know that this indeed is the Christ savior of the world so isn't that amazing how god can use one person maybe maybe you're that one person sitting out here tonight and you think that you're worthless um and believe me i've been beat down for the last 10 months battle after battle that's that's for a a long show that we'll do at a special time once god gets me healed of all this we're going to do a show on my battle um lord willing let me say it that way lord willing um but you could be that one person not thinking that you're nothing. Well, all it takes is one person. Here you had a woman that was looked down upon. She was looked at as worthless. She, you know, many, many things in her life. But Jesus used her to go collect the rest of the people. And they came back and they received him because of his word, not because of what she did. And that's the case with a lot of us. We get down on ourselves because we don't, we're not able to reach people. But it's not, it's not us that does it. It's Jesus, just like in this example right here. You can go tell all the people in the world, and until they come to him and they hear him and they receive him, it ain't going to matter who tells them. Me, Duncan, you, anybody else, Billy Graham, don't matter. This is all God, not yeah. us. Our part is to, to tell you know, people. We're messengers. To go. We're, we're like seraphim, like earth seraphim. Our job is to pass on the message. And I get down on myself a lot about that. Um, you can ask my wife. I tell her all the time. I said, it seems like everything I touch turns to crap, you know. And then shortly after that, I usually get a little chastising. Well, what do you mean? You. It's not about you. Yes, I know, Lord, you're right. You know, and I have to repent. but And I have to ask for forgiveness because it's not, you know. But um, I just get so frustrated because I want to see people come to know the Lord. I want to see people get excited about the Lord. And, you know, instead of talking about, you know, who's going to be playing the Super Bowl this year, when's Jesus coming back? Are you saved? Hopefully before you know halftime. 
<laughs> you know, I mean, to me, it's more important to ask the question, you know, are you saved? Then who's playing the Super Bowl? Which one of those are you going to hear more in society? Let's be honest. Yeah, well, it's because a lot of people are afraid to talk about, you know, they didn't want to be out. And the thing is, is like, we are warned we be persecuted for our beliefs. Yeah. And we should be yeah. ready for that. Like you said, you know, what's more important, the Super Bowl or salvation? Well, it's an easy answer. Yeah. It's not the Chiefs. I'll tell you that. <laughs> we, we spend too much time. We, we have taken, and even myself, we've taken God too lightly. Too lightly, folks. Trust, trust and believe what I'm telling you. We're taking him too lightly. We won't, though. That day's approaching. Yeah, exactly. So I'm just going to read, before we get into prayer tonight, I'm going to read just a couple more things, you know, talking about, um, you know, the woman in the well and the questions that she was asked. So what did the woman at the well ask Jesus? So her questions without understanding inflection, tone of voice, facial expressions, and other characterizations appear stark and pointed. She asked Jesus a series of questions when he requested a drink. First, she said, how can you ask me for a drink? Um, where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, um, as did all of his sons and his livestock? So when Jesus replied back to her, his responses were just as pointed and astonishing. So in short, Jesus told her um, not only, and this is important too, because if I'm not mistaken, and you can correct me on this, Jeff, this is the first time that he actually came out and said who he was. I am the son of God. Yeah, I would have to go back and look over that just to make sure before I say something wrong. Yeah, because I, I know that, because this is like earlier on, and, and I may be wrong on that, but if, if I'm not mistaken, I do recall this is like one of the, the first times that, because everything before that guy, he was very careful about saying who he was, yeah. or don't mm -hmm. go, you know, this between you and I, don't go tell anybody. And it was very, you know, so this one right here, he said um, that he was the son of God, the Messiah, but that he had come to offer living water, the kind that will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So what is notable is that the way all of this is revealed and the way that she appeared to see through his parables and glimpse the truth behind his words when so many others, including Jewish experts and scholars, could not. And that was the beautiful thing, too, because remember, the Jews looked down on these people. And, and many people, that was the reason, was one of the reasons that Jesus spoke in parable is because he could, you know, decide who the people that were there that wanted to hear and listen compared to the other people that came to taunt and torment. You know what I'm saying? Kind of like they're doing with our protest today. So that was one of the reasons that Christ spoke in parables. And then here he is coming across a group of people that the Jews looked down upon and she saw his words, what many Jews couldn't see themselves. Yeah, very true. You know, real, real quick though, you know why those people, the, the people who um, were different races were looked down upon. The Samaritans were looked down upon because in the Jewish belief, you, you go back to the Old Testament, you're not supposed to mix races. Yeah. That's where you used to have a lot of old-timey preachers talk about blacks and whites shouldn't mix. became because of all that old-time you know, old religion, for lack of better words. Um, because God's word tells races they weren't they weren't supposed to mix, and that is one reason that the Jews despised these people because it was like they were taking what God said not to do and they were mocking it by doing it. Yeah, yeah, you know, because I mean, it did say you know, and and I think that was that's one of the things back and forth with the whole Noah is you know when he was clean, you know, because some people say you know it was clean blood, 
or mm. clean, you know, or he was spiritually clean, you know, but, and I think it's probably a, a combination of both is he wasn't tainted with like Nephilim bloodlines or whatever. That's a whole crazy other story. I think there was two parts to that too. It was not only for the Nephilim side, but also because the other races were worshiping other gods. Yes. They didn't want their wives to start um, doing the same thing. They, they didn't want the women from the other cultures to come and influence the, the husbands and take them away from God. Yeah, exactly. You know, so and I know a lot of people think that it's, you know, mixed colors or anything like that, but I know there's a whole lot more to it, but it was more about ideology. I think, you know, tainting other people's spiritual beliefs that it was like actual, um, you know, black and white mixing. Yeah. I don't, yeah. That and blood, bloodline. Yeah, exactly. Bloodline was a big factor on that. It was, they had really nothing to do with the color of skin. That was just what people years ago used to kind of think, but it had a lot to do with the bloodline. Exactly, because he just didn't want it to be tainted with some evil bloodline, like Cain. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, so finally, I'm just going to end with this, and we'll get into our prayer. Is that what are the what are the powerful lessons that we learn from the woman in the wall? So the story has significance um, in five key reasons. First, it shows Jesus's love for the world, not just his people, for the entire world. The fact that the woman at the well was such a low standing gender race um, and a marital status. Yet they talk so directly, almost as equal in this conversation as partners, shows Jesus's heart for all people, not just some. So he didn't talk down to her. He didn't come across like, I'm your better. He spoke to her like a sister. You know what I'm saying? Like, like an absolute equal. So just as we see in other stories, such as when he welcomes children like Luke 18, 15 to 17, or he heals the demon-possessed daughter um, in the, of the Canaanite woman, in Matthew 15, 21 through 28, Jesus accepts all, all are welcome in the kingdom of God. God didn't come here to give salvation to some. Matt and Heb said it earlier. He came here to give salvation to everyone. Um, second, it reminds us that only Jesus can offer salvation. Jesus is the living water. He offers the living water because he is the living water of eternal life. So this water is not like regular water, but rather comes from God Almighty and it, it lasts forever. You don't ever run out of this. It's here forever. It never needs to be replenished because it's always replenished. Third, yeah, that's it, why she, that's why she wanted it. No, exactly. She she would never have to come back to the well if he give it to her. Exactly. But she got something even better. That's right. I and mean, she recognized it where many people wouldn't have. Yep. Um, third, it shows the importance of offering our testimony. So when the woman believes she immediately ran off to tell others about the testimony of her story that she just had with the Messiah. So her words made an impact. As scriptures tells us, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of this woman's testimony. So her repentance ended up giving other people that same opportunity at the salvation um, because she, they, they led her right back to Christ. We've talked about this so many times on this show, the importance that one of the most powerful gifts that we have as, as children of God is our own testimony. Our testimony can lead people away or can lead people down that path that we need them. They can introduce them to Christ. They can let people know that they can get out of situations they never thought they could get out of. Our testimony is one of the most powerful gifts that we have right there along with prayer. Fourth, it um, underscores how Jesus is the Messiah. So he says that he's a Messiah and the woman in the townspeople believed him. As that the Samaritans told the woman at the end of the story, we know that this man really is the savior of the world. So they didn't kind of believe it. 
they went in there and had full on faith. Like I said, because of that testimony, because they actually had the opportunity because of her testimony to follow her back, to actually listen to the guy that talked to her. And then they were all just like, yeah, you were right. You know what I'm saying? So, so, and it didn't stop there. The story stops there, but imagine the people that she led to Christ that ultimately ended up leading other people to Christ that the story doesn't even cover. That's the thing is you hear her, um, how, what she did affected the people of her, her village, her city, but we don't hear the story about their story. You know what I'm saying? So each one of those person could have ultimately have led another thousand people to salvation by understanding who Christ was. We don't know that. And that's the beauty. We never know how far our, our reach is. And it's not our reach, it's God, but God uses us, you know, as messengers down here. So, um, so that woman was a Sumerian yet believed is probably not an extraneous fact, but rather the point. The account of the woman as the well comes shortly after Jesus' encounter in John 3 with the Pharisee Nicodemus. So a race and class of her people are polar opposite. Um, yet Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council and likely an expert on his faith, did not understand the significance of what Jesus was saying. So indeed, as Jesus told Nicodemus, you are um, Israel's teacher. And do you not understand these things? This is John 3.10, but this town of so-called enemies, we are told, believe. So a fair is someone who was supposed to understand how Scripture worked and be an authority on, on Scripture didn't have the understanding that the, the ghetto people had, the ones that were looked down upon, the ones that were stupid, that were mixed race, had a better understanding and a stronger faith in what they learned from Christ than the Pharisee did. So the story of the woman in the well is a rich example of love, truth, redemption, and acceptance. And best of all, not only does Jesus accept her, but he accepts us as well. He wants um, all in his holy kingdom if only we too can believe. Um, and I, that's what I love about the story is that it shows that anyone, we are the ones that look down upon people. You know what I'm saying? And, and that's the thing is we, we say this talking about praying for our enemies. We, you know, I have people that are like, they'll never change. And it's like, God can change anybody. And the story of him changing the Samaritans hearts to come to Christ is a great example of that. So, you know, in our, our lives, you know, a George Soros, a, a Pelosi, like any of them can be turned around too. God is capable of absolutely anything. Amen. So um, is there anything else that you want to add to this, both of you guys, before uh, we, we go into prayer? I think it's been covered pretty good. I just, I love the story, man. I, I just, I don't know what it is because it's weird because you, you'll read a story a couple of times and you're like, all right, that's a cool story. But then one day, like God like says, why don't you go back? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> why don't you go back and read about it again? And all of a sudden, like you get this excitement as if it's like the greatest thing you've ever read the first time you've ever read it. You know what I'm yeah. saying? It's like, man, where, where was this the first couple of times that I read it? You know, it's kind of like, well, you know, um, you weren't ready to learn that lesson yet, apparently. So I sent you back to it, you know, but and that's the beauty is that there's so many great examples, um, you know, just by reading scripture, understanding how we can navigate the times that we're living in right now by opening our minds, our hearts a little bit, understanding that when it comes to Christ, anything is possible. Yeah, that's really why I appreciated that show, The Chosen, because it gives you more of a detail behind it and adds some flavor to the, um, the meat, to the structure that they give in the Bible so you can really feel it too and you start having these images in your mind of what was really going on and 
now that I'm rereading the Bible through, I'm starting to have a better understanding of how these events might have played out, the history behind them. Exactly. Because that's one thing that, you know, when you read the scripture, you get the stories, but you don't necessarily get the feel for character, personality, and that stuff. And that's one thing that I love about like shows like Chosen. And you got to look, and I'm going to say this too, when, you, when you're making shows, scriptural shows like that, obviously you need to be very careful. Because a lot, you, you don't, you, we have a thing in, in film called the creative license. You don't need that <laughs> when you're dealing with scripture. Let go of the creative license, stay in the book. And I think that's one thing that I really appreciate about the show Chosen is it, it added a, a little bit of personality to the characters, but it didn't take away from the story. Like it didn't move way away from the way that the scripture talked about the stories that they were referring to in the chosen. So all that they did was they, they managed to, to bring, um, they bring the characters to not characters, they're real people, but they bring the, the personalities to life. And, you know, so, and as I've told people before, you know, well, so, so if, what if I don't like reading, would you suggest that I just watch the chosen to understand scripture? What I suggest is you watch chosen enough to get excited, to get into scripture. Cause that, that show did that for me. I mean, I was already into the scripture, but when I started watching Chosen and I started to see the personalities and, and to see Peter as a person and not a story, you know what I'm saying? That encouraged me to get back in there. It gave me a new excitement about getting back into the Bible that, that I had lost in a way. You know what I'm saying? So that's what I suggest to people. Do I say substitute the show Chosen for the Bible? No. But I say watch the Chosen and let you get that excitement to get back into the Bible because it will do it. Trust me. It'll happen. So, um, Jeff, I haven't heard you pray in a while, and I know you're not feeling great, so I'm going to ask you, and if you say no, then I've got no problem getting into the prayer. But I would love to hear yeah. you pray if you're feeling up to it. Go ahead, brother. I'm Goodbye. I'm not up to it. I'm I'm hanging on as long as yeah, I can. Yeah, I know. I'm watching you go down. He was getting lower and lower in his seat. I'm getting more uh, headspace between the camera and the top, <laughs> of the, and the top of my screen. So I will pray for us real quick. Um, and then hopefully tomorrow night you're feeling up to uh, coming on and joining us tomorrow. I hope so. Um, for that show, this tomorrow evening is going to be a phenomenal show as well. And maybe you'll feel enough to pray because I know you love to pray. So everyone, please bow your heads and we will get into some prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you again for another beautiful day. Thank you for this awesome dog that you blessed me with, dear Lord, that gets excited when I even mention the word prayer as I have over these last years, dear Lord. See, it's a beautiful thing. We can feel the spirit. There's just an excitement that comes with that. Father, I have never, I haven't been the greatest person my whole life. I haven't been terrible, dear Lord, but we've all been sinners. And even during the worst times of my life, you never walked away from me. You kept your eye on me. You kept loving me the way that I'm loving you today. You love me even more. And dear Lord, I, I love you more every single day, dear Lord, as I find all the miracles that you blessed us with. And, and I realized that, that life is pointless without you. There is no meaning to life whatsoever without you in it. Dear Lord, everything that we accomplish on this earth is because of you. Every lesson that we have is because of you. Everything that we do to help another person is because of you, dear Lord. And I thank you for loving us enough to work into our lives and to never give up on us. You had a great patience with us, dear Lord, our whole lives, and look where we are today. And I thank you, dear Lord, not only for bringing me down this path, but bringing every one of us down here as we sit here together, dear Lord, having our own little church, having conversation about you, discussing your parables, your lessons, the salvation that you've given us. Dear Lord, 
There's no greater story in this earth. There's no greater book. There's no greater thing to talk about than you. So dear Lord, thank you for reigniting the excitement in my life every day. Thank you, dear Lord, for taking the poison out of my lives and replacing them with a beautiful family, dear Lord. Not just the family that loves me, but a family that loves me and encourages me. A family that loves me so much that when I make a mistake, they love me enough to call me out for that, dear Lord, so that I can get back on my feet and, and do the right thing again, as we do for each other. Father, thank you for giving us this strength and numbers that you have. We're in a time right now, dear Lord, where we're seeing more and more division happen everywhere. We're seeing preachers that are false prophets that are infiltrating churches, misleading people. They're redesigning the newer version of the scripture, dear Lord, leaving stuff out, adding stuff. Who knows, dear Lord, but they're deceiving us nonetheless. Satan is the great deceiver, dear Lord, and he's working his way into every crack he can possibly find in this world, which is why it's important, dear Lord, that we show our love, our thanks, and our repentance every single day, dear Lord, so that you can mend that armor so the devil doesn't try to work his way to the cracks in our armor. Father, we got a great battle that we're going to be walking into, and it's not going to be pretty. Things may get extremely chaotic, but dear Lord, I just ask that you remind me of what my friend reminded me of earlier. Is it if we're feeling anxious, if we're feeling fear, if we're feeling anger, it's because we're walking in front of you. And Father, we weren't meant to lead. We were meant to be your followers. So dear Lord, let us always stand by your side or walk behind you, dear Lord. You are the answer to every problem. We can't hit these problems ourselves, dear Lord. We need you for those answers. So dear Lord, let us never forget that we need to walk with you and behind you, dear Lord. We need to follow your lead. We need to listen to you. We need to learn how to listen to you more and more, dear Lord, as you are whispering into our ear daily what we need to do for you, how we can serve you better, what our missions are going to be. Dear Lord, don't let us ignore you. Don't let us turn our cheeks. Don't let us turn our backs. Let us listen. Let us follow. And let us walk into the greatest dangerous battlefield knowing that you have our backs, dear Lord. When you send us on a mission, you aren't there just to send us off or meet us when we're done. You're there with us the entire way. You're there with every one of us. You know every hair on every one of our heads. You know us better than we know ourselves, dear Lord. Knowing that, dear Lord, we should always ask for your advice and never try to lead with our own advice because we're just going to get ourselves into trouble. We spend too much time focusing on the flesh and not enough time focusing on the kingdom, dear Lord. That changes today. Dear Lord, for those that have not found you yet, lead us to them, dear Lord, so that we may introduce them to the one that can bring them that salvation that they need so desperately during these times. Bob Marley said, it may be the first trumpet. It may as well be the last. Dear Lord, if we're hearing that first trumpet, it's probably too late. So dear Lord, let us do what we can to not only strengthen our faith for you every single day, but to help another find that same thing so that they are walking down that path. Dear Lord, let us realize that if we plant a seed today, we don't need to see the fruits that it bears today because one day those fruits are going to grow out of the ground and they may end up being the strongest strongest tree in the entire forest, dear Lord, one of your greatest leaders. We've seen great examples of that in scripture, dear Lord, so we can never doubt anybody because by doubting some, we're doubting you, dear Lord, and you are capable of accomplishing absolutely anything on this earth. There's nothing that you can't do, and we are thankful for that. We're thankful for choosing us, dear Lord, to be in this war with you, and we are thankful that you gave us another day, dear Lord. If you so bless us with a day tomorrow, let us utilize every second. Let us make every second count 
not just in our lives, but in the lives of others, dear Lord, because helping others is helping ourselves. Helping ourselves to Christ is helping others to Christ. Dear Lord, you are the foundation of this earth. You are the foundation that I plant my house on. You are the foundation that I will die upon when the war comes down here, dear Lord. We will stand by your side. We will never turn our backs, and we will happily leave this earth in your service. We love you with all of our hearts, dear Lord, and we thank you for everything that you've given us and every blessing you blessed us with. In Jesus Christ's name and our Heavenly Father's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, it was a blessing to have both of you here. It was wonderful being here. Exactly. And Jeff, man, I'm, you're looking great, man. I'm so blessed uh, that you joined us this evening. He kind of reached out literally. He was like, hey, man, send me the link. I'm going to pop on tonight. And I was like, I was literally waiting in here. I was like, Jeff's going to be on with us tonight. <laughs> yeah, this is the first time I've seen Jeff, too. So this has been a blessing as well, sir. Well, thank you, guys. I appreciate that. I was glad I was able to to make it this long. So hopefully I haven't spent all my energy. and I'll be here tomorrow. Well, um, Saturdays are an hour show, so they're not as long. And uh, I'd imagine our guest is going to be doing the majority of the talking with just us asking a couple of questions here and there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm sure. I was, you know, it's good to be here. I'll get back into it eventually. Um, I just got to get my head and stuff straightened out so I can, I don't know, get back into anything. You know, sometimes this tests of faith is a really hard thing, and I don't ever want to go through this again. I just, you know, I prayed one time, Lord, just just show me real quick what it is, and I'll, I'll make sure it never happens again. And I thought, and immediately in my spirit, I felt Job. You know, Job kind of did the same thing. And the Lord was like, who are you? Yeah, I am God, you know. Um, so, but anyhow, uh, yeah, it was good to be here. Nice. Good to see you, Moon Wolf. And, uh, you know, guys out there that hear my voice, I love you all. Keeping yeah. the fight, keeping the faith. And they're all giving you their love, too, in the chat right now. If I and can if I can go through what I've been through in the last 10 months, you can, too. You just got to uh, just understand that God loves you. He's not causing these things on you. He wants you to come to him and and seek his guidance and his strength through these things. And that's what in myself I've been telling myself over and over and over. There's been a lot of days it's been really down and out kind of thing. And and if you allow the devil, he'll keep you there. But we're not to be there. We're to praise him. And when we praise him, he'll come down to us, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. So just keep in it. I love you guys. Don't give up. Keep doing what you're doing. Uh, and most definitely tell people about Jesus. Amen. Spend every moment you possibly can. And do me a favor too, brother. I mean, I'd give uh, Insidious a tele-hug, um, but you can give her the real thing for me. So when we get done with the show, you give uh, Insidious a gigantic hug for me and just tell her that I love her and miss her. Just one or two? You can give her as many as you want to. Last okay. time you are like, oh man, you're going to make me hug her? <laughs> That's what 33 years of marriage will do right there. <laughs> exactly and from tammy as well and we're sending all the love to all of you guys too telehugs virtual hugs for everybody <laughs> but uh i do want to thank both of you again it was a, a great conversation um jeff it was great to have you back uh moon wolf man great to have you here sitting right next to me in, in kilted christian studios look at that <laughs> yeah i'm usually pretty busy on my paperwork at this time but yeah. today i had a break so. yeah it's a week. <laughs> yeah, we got a weekend coming exactly so but uh hopefully we'll be seeing you tomorrow night jeff uh, you go get some rest uh do what you can. Get back and feeling good. Hope we'll see you tomorrow. Um, it's going to be another great show. And all of you out here, I just want to thank you so much for joining this evening. I love you all very, very much. I'm so thankful for all that you do. 
Um, this is a great fam. Like I said, the back and forth here is great. This is how we learn, expand, understand scripture a little bit better is to have these conversations and to get as excited about it as we do. You know what I'm saying? Because the stories that Jesus did then, the parables fit in today so perfectly. The Bible may as well, may as well have been written like three days ago. It's so accurate. It could have been written three days ago. Yeah. But it just shows you the power of the book that's existed 2,000 years plus, and it still has the same influence that it had the day that it was, that it was uh, scribed on the paper. So, but I love you both. I love all of you out here. I hope you have an absolutely beautiful rest of your evening. Thank you so much for joining us for Kilted Christian episode 536, The Woman and the Well. We'll be back tomorrow with a special guest. Hopefully Jeff will be here as well. But guys, enjoy your evening. Enjoy the weekend. Like I say, every weekend. Do something you enjoy. Avoid the news. Kick off your shoes. Hopefully it's nights outside. Walk out and have a good picnic. Spend some time with the family. Put a puzzle together. Read scripture. Watch Chosen. Do something that makes you feel good. Do something that pays homage to God. And do something that, that betters your life. But guys, I love you all very, very much. Have a beautiful evening. I will see you tomorrow night. In the meantime, I leave you with this. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light What so proudly we held At the twilight's last gleaming Whose broad stripes and bright stars Through the perilous fight O'er the ramparts we watched Were so gallantly streaming And the rockets regret The bombs bursting in air Gave proof through the night That our flag was Oh, say does that star-spangled banner get away o'er the land of the free and the home of the Have a beautiful night. And when I say kick off your shoes, I don't mean kick them off at your loved ones. If you have a flip-flop, lay it on the floor. Don't throw it at your wife. It's a love of public service announcement. But guys, I love y'all very, very much. Have an absolutely beautiful night. Spoil alert. End of the scripture. God wins. We have nothing to worry about. Forget who wins the Super Bowl. That doesn't matter. We need to know who wins the battle of battles. And that is our Savior, Jesus Christ, who is gonna who left here as a lamb and is coming back as a lion. So guys, keep on praying, praying, praying. Let go of your fear. Let go of your anxiety. Let go of your stress. Walk with God. Don't walk in front of him. Pray, pray, pray more than you ever have. Spread that gospel from nation to nation. We are going to be just fine because our Lord Almighty will give us everything that we need to do to get through this mission. He would never put us on a mission in vain. We will be successful. Guys, I love you all very, very much. Have an absolutely beautiful night. We'll see you tomorrow evening for Kilted Christian episode 537. Brothers in the Bible, 8 o'clock Eastern time. 
See you then. We love you with all of our hearts. And God bless.